He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and ruin, and ruin of that house was great. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us one more time. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, for this clear teaching from Jesus. God, would you use this word? Would you quicken it uh, from it being spoken uh, to go directly into our hearts, and then from our hearts out into our hands, into our speech, into all aspects of our life. So, Lord, bless this time. Send your spirit now to empower the listening and the hearing of your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In high school, one of my nicknames was Mini Mo. Mini Mo. Not a great nickname. And that's because without trying, without really noticing, uh, over time, I had taken on some of the mannerisms, some of the, some of the speech patterns, some of the way of relating and talking to people that one of our teachers, one of our favorite teachers, Mr. Mo, had. Uh, I, I was Minnie Mo. That was Mr. Mo. I was Minnie Mo. Mr. Mo was, was, a, was a drama teacher. He was a little bit theatric in the way he talked to people and leaned in and nodded. And I didn't notice it, but because I had I'd done a few plays in high school, I'd hung out with him and other people quite a bit, I just kind of sucked in uh, these kinds of mannerisms. And I'm pretty sure some of the things I do are not native to me. They are taken directly from Mr. Mo. So as you're talking to me, you, you might notice, if you knew Mr. Mo, both the good and the bad of him in me. And as Jesus wraps up his sermon here at the end of Luke 6, he teaches his disciples just that. Those who are spending a lot of time around him, those who are listening to his teaching, watching the way that he lives, interacting with people, uh, he's teaching them this principle. Disciples become like their teachers. Disciples become like their teachers. If you follow someone, if you follow someone, even you know, just on Instagram or a blog, if you are spending extended time with them, in person or otherwise, if you give them your ear, you give them your attention, you listen to what they're teaching and how they're teaching it, if you observe their way of life and the way they interact with people, you'll become like them. You'll begin to think the way they think. You'll begin to speak the way they speak. You'll begin to believe the way that they believe, act the way they act, value the things that they value. If you look at it negatively, uh, Proverbs 22 teaches, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. It's like the old saying, bad company corrupts good morals. Looked at positively, 
Paul in Ephesians 5 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. As we follow, as we worship Christ, as you come to church and you attend to God's words and you sing his praises, Christians can actually become more like Christ. We can imitate him in his love. Because that's what we are. Human beings are imitative beings. Uh, Monkey see, monkey do, in a very negative way of saying it. As much as we all like to pretend that we're very original people, we're one of a kind, we're unique snowflakes, these genes, nobody else has these genes, these are my genes. Uh, Everything that we say and do and are, are unfortunately copied from other people. Uh, Whether that is family members that we grew up in the same household as, close friends, university professors, bosses, podcasters. You can't escape this even if you try. It's not whether you'll copy your teachers, it's just which teachers you'll copy. There's an old Mad Magazine quote, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but all nonconformists look alike. Right? Yeah, okay. Um, You can't escape it. Even when you try to rebel against this idea of imitating the crowd, you're just imitating the crowd of those rebelling against those uh, imitating, if that makes any sense. Again, this is unavoidable. The question is not whether, but which. It's not whether you'll become like your teachers. It's which teachers are you becoming like? Which teachers are you becoming like? Who are you spending time with? Who are you listening to? Guess what? You're becoming like them. And Jesus here wants to tell his would-be followers that not all teachers are created equal. Not all teachers are worth following. And that the inevitable reality of us becoming like our teachers have both proximate, close-up consequences, but also eternal consequences, long-reaching. So the stakes here are high. This isn't something that you should just consider casually, but you should put real thought into this. Who are you spending your time with? Who are you listening to? Who has your ear? Because the question then is, who are you becoming like? So this is our big idea for today in this sermon. Disciples become like their teachers. Disciples become like their teachers. And because this is true, there's two things that we have to do. Disciples become like their teachers. So consider your teachers carefully. Consider your teachers carefully. In verse 39, if you look at your text here, in verse 39, Jesus told them a parable. A parable is like a riddle. It's a saying which causes its hearers to slow down, to, to really consider the nuances and the different things that's, that's being said, to chew on what's about to be said. And, and in this parable, he connects uh, four very colorful, pretty funny, as you consider them, uh, illustrations to drive his overall point in. These are the four illustrations that maybe you caught on as A.D. was reading. In verse 39, it's a picture of, of a blind guide. In verse 41, he begins talking about the teacher who has a giant wood log in his eyeball. Starting in verse 43, he begins to talk about uh, bad trees and good trees, bad fruit and good fruit. In verse 46, he describes a wise and a foolish house builder. And this parable is meant to help us to consider carefully the people that we're following, the people that we're spending time with. Because again, you will inevitably become like them. So as you, as you consider your teachers carefully, here are sub, a few sub-points on that. The parable teaches us a few things, and one of them is this. Avoid teachers blinded by sin. Avoid teachers blinded by sin. Avoid following people who are blinded by sin. In verse 39, Jesus gives this, this comic and tragic picture. A blind person leading another blind person, and then both of them falling into a pit. But this is actually the case with some teachers. They want to be leaders. They want people to follow them, but they don't know where they're going. They're blind spiritually. 
They cannot see what's of ultimate value. They, they do not have knowledge of God, and therefore they do not have knowledge of themselves. These leaders are probably not malevolent. They're not trying to steer you wrong. They're not trying to you know, make, you, make you fall headlong into a pit, but they're foolish. They just start talking. They start walking. They notice people are following them and listening to them, and they kind of like that. They like being listened to. Uh, they've got a few ideas that they'd like to try on the general public. They're good at talking. They act like they know where they're going, but they don't. Jesus came. When we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we see that he came to open the eyes of the blind. In his physical miracles, he literally opened the eyes of blind people. But this was, this was a picture. It was a sermon, a visual aid to show us what he came to do spiritually, to open the eyes of our hearts so that we could see our sin. We could see our brokenness, our, our need for healing, and then to see in Jesus uh, who he is and what he came to do. And for the rest of our lives, to keep our eyes on him and follow him. And so, be very careful following people whose eyes have not been opened to Jesus. Be careful how you heed their advice. There's lots of common grace that's been given to this world. God has blessed all people so that anybody, whether they're Christian or not, can be very intelligent. They can be very helpful. They can be very honest people. They can be cheerful. They can be excellent neighbors. But the Bible would say that if they don't see who they are in light of who Jesus is, they have a fundamental, deep, deadly blindness. A dangerous blindness. Therefore, don't follow them because if you do, you'll become like them. That's what verse 40 says. Their blindness will become like yours. A disciple is not above his teacher. Everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. You'll both end up in a pit. And this is a reminder to us that your closest friends, the people you spend the most time with, uh, the people you give your ear to in blogs or podcasts or books, your potential spouse, for your spiritual good, they must have their eyes opened and fixed on Jesus Christ. If not, you'll become like them. But Jesus doesn't just like pick on non-Christians as this class of people who are blinded by sin or who could potentially be blinded by sin. Religious people, people who claim their eyes are wide open, they can be blinded by sin too. They too ought not to be followed. Starting in verse 41, Jesus gives another colorful picture warning us to consider the religious teachers we're following. There's a type of religious person who Jesus says is quick to point out moral and spiritual faults in other people's lives, and yet somehow they're blinded to their own faults. They claim to see specks in their brother's and sister's eyes, theological in inadequacies, wrong beliefs, wrong practices, but what they don't notice is that they have a log in their eye. Like a, like a log, like, a, like a, an entire tree in their eye. And so this is both comic, but it's also tragic because of how common we see it in the church. Jesus calls them exactly what they are, a word that we ought to have quick on our tongue, hypocrites. They are hypocrites. They both deceive themselves and they deceive others by preaching one thing, yet practicing an entirely other thing. Paul, in, in Romans chapter 2, he, he, he asks this question to a group of religious people living in Rome. You then who teach others... Do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Paul in Romans is like Jesus here in chapter 6 of Luke. They are railing against the profession of faith without its practice. Jesus is here condemning orthodoxy, which is right belief, when it's actively and hypocritically divorced from orthopraxy, right action. If you're someone who is disgusted 
by the hypocrisy that you've seen historically uh, and, and currently among Christians, guess what? So is Jesus. He is horrified. He is disgusted by it. He calls out as often as he sees it. He, he is with you if you are against hypocrisy in the church. Jesus tells his disciples to avoid such teachers, that they must not follow religiously hypocritical teachers or else they will become like them too. Disciples become like their teachers, so consider your teachers carefully. Avoid those blinded by sin, both irreligious unbelief, but also religious hypocrisy. And the second thing to consider them, consider your teachers carefully, is to know them by their fruit. Know these teachers by their fruit. If you want to consider your teachers carefully, you have to know them by their fruit. Jesus continues his thoughts, uh, and, and he, he guides his people on how to know whether or not the teacher in front of them is somebody worth following. Because how can you know? You can't, you can't like see into their brains necessarily. I don't, I don't think any of you can. You can't see into their hearts. You, you shouldn't go into their house and try to find a diary and see what's, you know, what are they really thinking. Um, how can you know what kind of teacher you've got in front of you? There might be, again, some obvious red flags, but, but hypocrites are good at hiding. I know from experience, right? Like w- w- hypocrites are good at saying the right things, seeming like everything's together, but, you know, that's not always the case. Uh, we moved into our house uh, in the winter, there was a fruit tree in the backyard, uh, and, and we weren't sure what kind of tree it was, because it was winter, all the leaves were off, and it you know, looked kind of dead. So how could we have possibly found out what kind of tree it was? I'm no botanist, but guess what? I figured out what kind of fruit tree it was. Guess how I did it? I waited until the summer, and I looked at what kind of fruit it bore. Not too hard. You can tell what kind of tree you have by the fruit it bears. And Jesus says what's absolutely true of trees is also true of teachers. Jesus says we can know good from bad teachers by their fruit. That's what Jesus says in verse 44. For each teacher is known, or each tree is known by its fruit. Each tree is known by its fruit. Um, While you cannot read the minds and the hearts and probably not the diaries of teachers that you're following, whether on podcasts or pastors or books that you're reading, we can't read their minds, you can identify if they're good or bad teachers worthy of following or not by watching their conduct and listening to them in conversation. A tree is known by its fruit, verse 45, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A person's heart, what's inside of them, is revealed by their deeds and by their words. So, pay careful attention to your teachers, listen to them in conversation. Watch the way they act towards other people. You will know them by their fruit. It might take some time, but you will. And this is what will happen. You'll also see what you're becoming as you follow them. And this is, this is worthy of a side tangent from me. Jesus' point, uh, point here is a good warning. It's a good warning for us about the dangers of being devoted to celebrity pastors or preachers or, or people who are popular on YouTube or Instagram or the TikTok or authors, or interesting lecturers who you don't know personally and you can never know. Uh, I read a lot of books by dead people, so I think that's fairly safe. There's no scandals that are going to come out from somebody from the 15th century. But you might frequently listen to a very interesting preacher who's fantastic at teaching. Uh, You know, an Instagram or an influencer who seems incredibly wise. They teach you how to, you know, manage stress or worry, but you can't know them. You can't have conversations with them. You can't see their habits of life. You can't see whether or not they are personally bearing the the, the fruit of God's own spirit. You can't know if they personally practice what they preach. And so you should be very cautious. 
Because giftedness, attractiveness is no indicator of character. It's no indicator of, of good fruit. Good sermons, a big church, a wide following, best-selling books, amazing hair, or a winning smile, they are no indicators of godliness or good fruit. And so this is what you should ask of teachers, of people that you would listen to and, and follow their teachings. What's their conduct actually like? What's their speech like? George Whitfield was, was a pastor, a well-known evangelist, highly gifted. Uh, he was in the 18th century. And he was asked by someone his thoughts on another gifted preacher and evangelist whose reputation was growing, was getting a, a bit of a wider following. And Whitfield was asked what he thought of this person. Was, was this person, was he a good man? And Whitfield responded something like, I don't know. I've never seen him in his home. I, I, I can't, like his, his preaching might be good, but whether or not he's a good man, how can I know if I don't know him? And Whitfield was saying, you can't really know a person. You can't know their fruit until you see them in action, until you see them in their home. And you should be asking this question of any pastor, any Christian leader, any writer, any teacher, uh, what are their kids like? How does he treat his wife, those closest to him? What kind of disciples does he produce in his own home? Is what he preaches making a difference in his own home among those that, he, that know him best? Or is it all just for show? Is it something that he's really good to, he's good at managing from the stage or, or in the podcast booth? This is something that, that matters as I give pastoral leadership to Christ Church Halifax. These are questions that you should be asking as you watch me with Brittany and my kids. If a, if a pastor replaces me, hopefully not very soon. Uh, these are the central questions. If we add a pastor at Christ Church, these are the questions that we'll be asking. If you can't answer that, those questions, if you don't know, if you can't know this person, be very cautious. Disciples become like their teachers. So, Consider your teachers carefully. Avoid those blinded by sin, again, both unbelief and hypocrisy. Know them by their fruit. Pay attention to their conduct and their speech. Look at what they're like at home. And this is the, this is the second part. The second thing. Disciples become like their teachers, so build your life on Christ. Build your life on Christ. Jesus finishes this section. He finishes the whole sermon that started in Luke chapter 6, verse 17 a few weeks ago with this final picture. He pictures two builders, one wise, one foolish. Both of them, it seems, they, they, would, they, would, they would be Christians. They'd be people who call Jesus Lord, Lord, but they build their lives in vastly, radically different ways. The first builds his life on Christ. Verse 40, 47 says, He hears Christ's words, and then he does what Christ says. What's he like? Verse 48 says, He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Whether this flood is representative of, of a, a period of suffering or of doubt, of marital trouble, of financial troubles, of, of final judgment when Christ comes, Jesus says this, If you build on me, you will be secure. If you rest your entire life on me and nothing else, nothing in this world, not even death itself, will shake you. I will hold you. I will protect you from every storm, any storm that comes, even death itself. Build your life on me. I am the rock. What about the other builder? In verse 49, he heard Jesus' words too. He, he, he heard Jesus, but there was a a major difference. He didn't do the words of Jesus. What's such a person like? 
He's like a person who builds a house without any foundation, professes belief with his lips, but not with his life. And when the streams of suffering and trouble and judgment broke against him, disaster. His house immediately fell. All was lost. And this is the end of all bad teachers, all bad trees, and those who follow after them. Total destruction, total loss, the pit and the rushing waters. Friends, what are you building your life on? What foundation are you resting on? Is it a rock or is it, a, is it sand? Who will shape your life the most? What teacher will you give your time and your attention to? Who will you follow after? Who will you hear what they say and then do it? Whose words will you trust and then build your life on? Disciples become like their teachers, so build your life on Christ. Build your life on Christ. Christ is the only sure foundation that will never be moved, the only bedrock which will preserve you in the storm. How can we know this? How can we be sure that Jesus is the real deal? Well, as we read God's word, as we read through gospel accounts like Luke's, we get to listen to Jesus and we get to see what kind of man he is, what kind of fruit he bore. We hear in, in his speech clarity and truth and grace. We observe in his conduct mercy and healing for the bruised and broken in our world. As we read through Luke's gospel, we've seen Jesus as someone who is clear-eyed and faithful. Without a trace of hypocrisy, he tells his people, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Something that we, just, we hear and we say, yeah, that is impossible. But then we see him practicing it, blessing those who curse him, returning kindness for harm. And finally, Jesus loves his enemies to the point of death on a cross, giving his own life to those very enemies that put him there, people who hated him. These people... People like us can be forgiven, can be brought back to God through Christ. Teacher, the teacher worth following, the only teacher worth following, is Jesus Christ. He will never lead you astray. He'll never lie to you. He'll never put a mask on. The road that you'll walk with him will be very difficult, but it's the only sure path to life. Disciples, when they're fully trained, become like their teachers. And Jesus is the only perfect teacher, without a trace of sin or hypocrisy. I'm going to let you down as a pastor. And so the very best thing that I can do or any other you know, pastor or teacher or leader can do is to invite you to imitate me as I try to imitate Christ. To, to listen to me as I do my best to speak to you on, on Sunday or on Wednesday or any, you know, when we have coffee, the very words of Christ to you. I'm, I'm only as uh, worth listening to so long as I keep myself in Christ's words. To heed me, to obey the words that I'm saying so long as I am pushing you and encouraging you to obey the words of Christ himself, it, like I try to do whenever I preach. Jesus alone is worth building your whole life upon. This is how you build the life of Christian faith. This is how it begins. It begins by admitting that your sins, your love for people's approval and acceptance, loving yourself and your comfort and your convenience more than God is not just, you know, slightly not good. It's deadly. It's a foundation of sand. And then it's confessing that you've, you have turned away from God and you've been building your house everywhere but on him. But then in faith, looking to Jesus as the only sure foundation, listening to him and doing what he says, because it's in him, it's through faith in him, in, in his perfection, in his death on the cross for your sins and for your salvation, that he is the solid rock that will protect you when the storms come. 
And as you do that, you, in a miracle of miracles, will become more like him. Because it's in Jesus, it's in Christ, that we are welcomed by God himself as sons and daughters, dearly loved. God himself becomes our father, as he is to Christ. Disciples become like their teachers. And in Christ, we are forgiven, we are accepted, we are dearly loved by God, and we are being transformed into his own image. Now may you become disciples of Jesus, listening to him and spending time with him, and so becoming like him. May you consider your teachers, those you heed and listen to very carefully, avoiding those who are blinded by sin and discerning their fruit by their words and deeds. May you build your whole life on Christ, the only sure and solid rock worth resting your whole being on. Let's pray. Father, we admit our inadequacy and our failures to attend carefully to those we listen to and imitate. God, we also thank you for the great gift of the church to to be in the presence of, of other Christians who are trying to follow Christ. Father, would we imitate one another as we lay down our sin, the things that would would hold us back and together go towards you. Thank you for reminding us of this truth, for not leaving us until the day of the storm to reveal this, but you speak plainly to us now. And so as we hear your word, Father, we pray that that this word would take root in our hearts and that it would come out in our actions, in our lives. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. We pray that in his name. Amen.